Welcome to The Sleeper and the Bust. This is episode number 160. I am your host, Nicholas Minix, and joining me as usual during the week is Eno Saris. Eno, Eno, how are you today? Doing good. That's excellent, excellent. Uh, just before I get into it, I would like to note today that uh, in the Cubs game against the Reds, Cincinnati attempted six steals and were, and were successful all since six times uh, in four, Jake Arrieta's four innings today and um, that's kind of is an interesting little tidbit considering we were talking about stolen base matchups on Tuesday and that brings the number of stolen base successful stolen base attempts against Arietta this season to 23 and 25 so perhaps it's something that the Reds picked up on this year yeah that you know that there is uh... only one of them was Billy Hamilton and two of two of them were Todd Frazier and two of them were Zach Cozart so it's not like they were absolute burners against Marietta. Right. There, there was, you know, there is something about his breakout this year that's related to his delivery. And um, I read recently that the pitching coach there in, in Chicago uh, said he should take the, the, the kind of style and the delivery that he shows in his bullpen sessions in between starts to the mound. And that there was something that he was uh, changing up once he got to the mound. So, you know, there is the throwing more sliders thing. Uh, that actually probably also contributes um, to more stolen bases because that's more pitches in the dirt, mm-hmm. uh, more uh, work for the catcher, and more uh, and slower pitches. Slower pitches that uh, give you that you know microsecond of advantage to the bat to the, to the runner. So yeah, quarter of a uh, quarter of a second in a stolen base attempt is huge. Yeah, and so you you know you got I think between all those different things that are going on you've got basically it looks like a, a real situation there and and um, you know he 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 would go on your list that you uh, that you put up today of uh, of uh, places to look for streaming for steals. Yes, yes, uh, and and yeah, remember it's it is about getting on base as well. Uh, so maybe it's maybe that's it's not a bad trade off for Arietta. <laughs> Right. Considering all that, but uh, at the same time, I mean, that if you're looking for stolen bases, that seems like it's a place to perhaps look. Uh, first thing we wanted to get into was uh, Mr. Zach Walters, who the Cleveland Indians acquired in a deadline trade with the Washington Nationals uh, in the Astrobal Cabrera deal. Now, Walters, uh, I mean, he's, he's had kind of an interesting minor league profile uh, provided a lot of power. He's hit nine home runs in 90 at-bats, so that's one every 10 at-bats, for those of you who are not that good at math. And he has only a 200 batting average, meanwhile, to go along with that. He struck out <clears throat> 34.7% of the time. That basically kind of goes along with uh, what he's done in the minor leagues. Maybe not quite that frequently of a power display, but uh, he's he's obviously he's become an interesting player, and uh, I mean he, he certainly factor into things for Cleveland next season. Uh, he's he's I don't think he has a position. He maybe doesn't profile necessarily a, as a as a well really as a substitute at any particular position. I think he's played some third base. They probably use him uh, quite a bit at DH. Uh, but uh, is is this a guy you see going for? I mean, other than. Like I, I see, I see, I'll see him, and I, and he's he's a kind of a, you know, another Adam Dunn, Adam Dunn clone waiting to be uh, labeled as such. Well, I don't know. He, the, the Adam Dunn walked a lot, and Zach Walters doesn't really walk a lot. That's true. So uh, that's interesting. It, what you know, he has played DH uh, for the last, you know, ten, fifteen games. So. Um, you know, he is sort of without a position like Adam Dunn. They, they, uh, Washington snuck him in at second base once, but once he, since he got to Cleveland, it's all left fielder DH. So he's going to, he's going to have to hit well to, to, to matter at one of those spots. Um, and, you know, my first inclination was to say, no, I don't like this guy at all. Um, he didn't show good power, uh, in the minor leagues, didn't seem to show a great hit tool. Um, except for a couple nice performances, um, even all the way back with Arizona and their farm system. 
and that was a ball. So once he's gotten to the to the higher uh, <clears throat> the higher spots in the in the minor leagues, the the upper minors, it's been bad batting averages, bad strikeout rates, bad walk rates, um, and uh, and decent power. I just think that the bust rate there is huge, especially considering he doesn't bring into the table any speed or defensive ability. So, um, you know. But, you know, as I was saying all those things, there was a one name that occurred to me that um, might actually be relevant here is Michael Morse. Ah. Uh, because Mike Morse doesn't uh, have a good walk rate, strikes out too much. Uh, it says he, I say he runs like he looks like he's in quicksand. Uh, he plays the outfield like he was asleep when the ball was hit. Um, and, uh, you know, he used to be a shortstop and, you know, even light hitting. So some of his early, uh, shortstop stops were, you know, had, had iffy power numbers. So, you know, uh, you know, what Morse also took till he was a little bit older to, to make it happen. Uh, Walters is 24. I could see him sort of meandering through, um, some up and down years with the, with the Indians. Uh, the Indians will now own his, um, options. So he'll at least have one or two more years. Uh, where he can uh, be optioned up and down. Um, and for them, that'll be useful in terms of, um, you know, how they build their roster. He may start the year in the minors next year, come up and hit homers and make us talk about him again, um, and, and sort of stick around with the uh, with the Indians for a little bit. But I, I don't think that I would necessarily uh, draft him um, in uh, – I don't think I would necessarily draft him even next year in an AL only league or whatever, because, um, you know, I, I just don't know that they are going to pay. A, he's not going to be paid, but I don't think they're going to carry a full-time DH, the type of team that was going to rotate guys in through that spot. Um, you know, Michael Brantley, Michael Bourne, um, and David Murphy are all under contract for next year. So, he would have to be maybe a platoon partner for David Murphy or something. Um, and that's why I think he'll most likely start the year in the minor leagues and be a tough bet for even something like an AL labor or something. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned, um, first of all, I think Morris is a great comparison. I wouldn't even have thought of that. I think it's a, it's, it's really apt. I mean, Morris is a, is a huge guy and Walters is just kind of a big guy. Uh, mm. But uh, and for those of you who think, well, you know, uh, he did steal some bases, double digits once or twice in the minor leagues. I mean, that was very likely considering that he has yet to attempt to steal in the past year and a half, almost two years. Um, I think that's probably more of a product. Uh, that's probably likely a product just of being in the minor leagues and taking advantage of a situation occasionally, as opposed to actual real speed. And um, but yeah. It, it, it's it's a pro, and he's he's also a switch hitter, so that might if he especially if he's better from the the left side uh, as opposed to Morris, who's a right-handed hitter, maybe that uh, that gives him a little bit better chance of uh, of succeeding in that in that same kind of mold. So I guess yeah, he's, he's definitely not somebody. To, and you also talked about how uh, before how um, some research has kind of yielded that uh, high ISOs in the minor leagues might kind of be uh, an indication of uh, talent or maybe may mitigate some bus rate and that he still has probably a really high bus rate, but ISOs of 265 and 308 in the past two seasons in the minor leagues. I mean, he's, he turns 25 in, in a couple of weeks, but, uh, he's not, he's not, uh, like super past prospect phase or anything like that. He's, he's coming out of that stage and approaching peak, but he's, yeah. he's a little more interesting, I think, than I originally gave him credit. That doesn't mean that he's wildly interesting, but he is a little more interesting than I gave him credit for. <laughs> yeah, 29 homers in AAA. I mean, yeah. that's nothing to sneeze at. Mm, you. <laughs> Speaking of players who strike out a ton, uh, the Braves, uh, infinite wisdom, as it were, uh, will try to trade BJ Upton this winter. I would like to wish them success in that event. <laughs> um, I think... <laughs> I think it will be interesting to see um, how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> I think mean, three years and probably something like $50 million. I'm not looking at the numbers right now, but three years and something like $50 million on the table. They're, yeah. they're going to have to swallow at least half of that to turn it into like, you know, a three 
21 deal, you know, for somebody who, you know, thinks that they might want a backup center fielder for, you know, seven million a year. Yeah, he's uh, it's it's 14 and a half million next year, 15 and a half the following and 16 and a half in 2017, I believe. Yeah, he's <laughs> almost 60. They're going to have to they're going to have to swallow at least half of that, if not more. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's it's about yeah, it's approaching 50. It's not quite. It's definitely not 60, but um, yeah, that's a huge deal. And uh, I mean, the Yankees did sign Chris Young to a minor league deal, the outfielder Chris Young to a minor league deal. And um, I guess if you get <laughs> of all teams, if you can get the Yankees, to, uh, if the Braves are willing to eat some of that money, and the Yankees pick up the rest, maybe they're interested in that type of player. But I highly doubt it. I think even then, you're really grasping at straws. But uh, I guess that's worth mentioning. It probably does mean the end uh, for Ichiro is nine. Like he may not even uh, sign another deal. Yeah, I think that's yeah, that's a good point. That's a good possibility. Um, which you know, it is a it's a career to revere, uh, to say the least. Yeah. If it wasn't for fantasy purposes, although he's probably exceeded expectations a little bit this season in terms of fantasy. If he if he'd come over one year earlier, he would be a three thousand hit guy. Um, he would have gotten it this year probably. That is disappointing, and considering, I mean, he's compiled well over 4,000 hits in his professional career, period. I mean, yeah. we could be talking Pete Rose territory, uh, if that had been... The Hall of Fame discussion on him will be very interesting, I think. Yeah, well... I mean, because he didn't really add any power. Uh, the defense was good, but it wasn't um, center field, really, for much of it. Um, you know... Very, very strange guy. But, you know, 360 on base percentage for his career uh, and all those hits, I think it'll, I think, I think they'll do it. Well, I think, I mean, it'll be interesting, but, I mean, he strikes me as a Hall of Fame worthy player. If you, I mean, it's not the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame, it's just the, it's the Baseball Hall of Fame. And, I mean, there are a lot of other players from like past leagues, Negro Leagues, and things like that in there. I think it's. Well, that's a really interesting point, actually. You know, I, I, I hadn't, heard it put in those words but it is uh, it is not the major league baseball hall of fame it is baseball hall of fame and you know they're you know they can consider those things as sort of mitigating factors or at least the voters can if they if they sort of realize that themselves you know i i've heard other people say we shouldn't we shouldn't uh combine those because they're it's not the major leagues um which is a point but um you know japan is somewhere in between the minors and the majors it's not quite a double A or triple A, you know, people, I've heard a lot of people can uh, refer to it as uh, quadruple A. So, you know, even if you deduct a couple of points there, he's a 3000 hit guy. Um, and, um, you know, you know, in terms of exciting, yes, in terms, and I, and I, you know, it, if we're just talking sort of off the cuff, then I think, yeah, I, I think of him as a major leaguer, but um, no, he's a hall of famer, but uh yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he actually stacks up against people once you really delve into the numbers. It may not be that great. I mean, he didn't really lead the league in a lot of places. That is true. That is true. Other than batting average. He was, I mean, he was roughly a, a five-war player for, what, ten seasons at least. Um, I don't know if that ends up being uh, in his favor or not, but, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think... He, he will be an interesting case, uh, and maybe kind of a case that sets a precedent one way or another. Detroit, this Saturday, calling up Kyle Ryan to make a start. I mean, they are, they are pulling out all the stops, <laughs> is one way to put it, um, in an effort to hang on to uh, playoff hopes. And Ryan is an interesting starter, at least in terms of his rates in the minor leagues. Uh, this is a kid that they drafted in 2010 in the 12th round. Uh, he's six five. It's a tall, slender kid, about six five. Is under 200 pounds and is a left-hander. Uh, I've seen some uh, some different scouting things. I mean, basically, here I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think he interests me a little more than a couple of the other guys that that Detroit has trotted out there in the sense that he's, he's supposed to be a fastball slider changeup guy. And I'd be, I'd be interested to see if the changeup is any good. Um, 
combine that with the fact yep. I mean, not that he's going to get a lot of strikeouts or anything like that, but maybe he can he can stave off offenses at least a little bit, at least a little better than the other guys that they run out there like Kyle Lobstein, Robbie Ray, etc. Yeah, I, I don't I can't believe that um, I can't believe that the Tigers aren't in on the on the supposed uh, uh, Bartolo Colon sweepstakes, you know? It, yeah. You know, it, with the guys that they're running out there and, and how their their playoff chances are dwindling by the second. I mean, they were a 95% playoff team, you know, three weeks ago, a month ago, and now they're down to, you know, 60 and 50, and by the end of the weekend it could be below 50. So um, it's kind of crazy that, that, that they're turning to a guy that couldn't strike out six per nine um, in the in the minor leagues. So... Um, I don't really have a ton of hope for him. I wouldn't stream him unless it was a super deep league. I think that what you're, uh, what you're wanting to see out of him is just, you'd have to see, I think, given these numbers, a massive ground ball rate. So you'd, you'd want to see, uh, you know, six or eight out of ten, uh, ground, uh, ground balls. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm trying to check right now, uh, cause I just, you know, looked at his person, his numbers first, and just totally dismissed him. But um, let me see what his actual yeah. uh, all rates are. Looks like they are not that good. No, they're I mean, not. Their their average is they're, they're slightly above average. Forty-seven percent in AAA. Forty-seven percent for the minor leagues for what minor league central has. So, uh, I would not touch this guy. <laughs> Yeah, he's he's uh he's he's not he's not terribly intriguing. I think I'd be yeah, it would be totally from the perspective of he can limit the number of guys on base, uh, because he's he's basically not walked anyone at any level uh, at any level he's visited. But uh, yeah, there, he's probably going to be um, not the most enticing fantasy prospect uh, that Detroit has rolled out there this season. So. Uh, more important pitching news: Adam Wainwright says that, or uh, it appears that he is going through a dead arm phase. Is this something that concerns you? We've talked about we talked about him a little earlier in the season, and you ran him through the uh, the injury wayback machine, and you said no, he doesn't. You know, I'm not I'm not worried terribly or anything like that. But it's something I would keep an eye out on. Now, this is also it's about <clears throat> it's about that time of season when pitchers hit this kind of thing if they've been at it all year. Um, it's a little surprising, I think, given Wainwright's workload in the last couple of seasons. That, uh, but I mean, it's it's not unusual for this kind of thing to happen. Uh, is this? Um, my first instinct is, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm certainly I'm not really concerned rest of season or anything like that. We had a Twitter question I remember a couple of weeks ago where someone said, someone asked, uh, I think it was you, you Colette, uh, and I about just uh, you know Wainwright or Chris Sale rest of season. And my response was Sale. I mean, for a variety of reasons that include Wainwright. I don't know if you guys uh, responded, but I think that that was a pretty safe bet at the time. I mean, the strikeout rate is is, is going to separate them anyway. Right. So mm-hmm. um, even if even if Sale missed two weeks, he might strike out as many people <laughs> as, uh, <laughs> as Wainwright. And then you you want to go with the youth too. So yeah, I think uh, I think that was the right way to go. You know, I I, I put him back into the uh, uh, the pitcher injury way back machine. Um, and, uh, he looks, uh, just about the same as he did before. There's no real late game inconsistency. Um, you know, he lost a little bit of velocity, but it's, it's come back up a little bit on the last couple starts. Um, his strike zone percentage did go down for a little bit and that's covered in, um, that's covered in a great piece by Jeff Sullivan on the subject. Um, uh, but it's, it's, it, but then the zone percentage came back up again recently and his, uh, just his release point variances in general are, are minor. So I, I think he's repeating his delivery. He always has with good control. Uh, I don't really see a major change in velocity. Um, uh, you know, on his cutter, which is his main fastball. And, uh, you know, late game inconsistencies are fine. You know, and Sullivan, uh, pointed out that, uh, you know, some of this could be missed strikes that he's missing with, uh, with, yeah, Yadier Molina out. And then he also showed, um, that, uh, Yadier Molina has a more solid, um, 
target uh, for Wainwright, and that the the, the target is there as uh, as Wainwright breaks his hands and begins his motion. So when he looks into home plate, he sees a target, and then he can finish right through to the target. So that could that could be it. Could be a little bit of command issues, but I mean. You look at him, 188 innings, 259 ERA, you know, not the greatest strikeout rate, but a really great command and no homers allowed. Um, you know, I think even, you know, a guy with the 271 Babbitt is going to, you know, face a little regression. I'm just not that worried about him. I mean, someone might get angry if they go into the head to head, uh, you know, rotation, head to head playoffs. Um, and Wainwright has a couple of turds that, uh, that really hurts them, but, um, I, I just don't see a reason to worry. Yeah, that's kind of my feeling. I mean, yeah, he, he might put up like a four ERA in September or something like that. And But, uh, yeah, the, the return to uh, Yadier Merlina, that's something we were just going to touch on or mention. I mean, Molina is actually, he's made supposedly incredible progress from his uh, from thumb surgery uh, to repair that torn ligament. In the, uh, and they're talking about a return as soon as Friday, but at least possible this weekend, which seems... I mean, considering that they had just he just began the rehab assignment um, in the middle of this week, I believe it was maybe the beginning of this week. Yeah, but they need I mean, they yes. need him up. Yeah. you know, it's right. Then they need him, and it's like it's almost like a a starter or a reliever where you know it almost they they need his glove as much as his bat. You know, it's like it's almost like an excellent shortstop where you'd be like, okay, we're gonna bring you up, and maybe you're gonna hit two twenty, but we don't care. We need you up. So I feel like um, they're going to bring him up, and uh, I think he's going to start pretty soon. In terms of, like, what he's going to look like the rest of the season, I mean, you have to think that it's going to affect his ability uh, power-wise, you know, contact-wise. These are things that you need your thumb for. Um, and I never really bought into that 22-homer uh, season anyway. I mean, that was a crazy season. 315, 22 homers, and 12 stolen bases. Right. What a great peak season, but um, you know, I think more likely he's like sort of a 280. I mean, his his career batting average is 284. Uh, you know, seven eight homer guy. So, uh, you know, I don't think that he's necessarily a great pickup for the rest of the way. Actually, there's probably other uh, guys I'd rather have. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree, and I think yeah, I mean, I was, I was just where I was getting to the is that. His defense, but the the fact that his defense is so valuable and ability to call games, frame pitches, everything, obviously that he brings to the table is way more valuable to the Cardinals than whatever else he might contribute with his bat. And uh, and uh, and I agree. It's I mean I put in I put in a claim for him in my FSWA league uh, for this morning, and it was a zero dollar bid because I'm like ah whatever if I get him I get him maybe <laughs> somebody I think somebody paid like. 20 bucks for him and they had they had money to burn but i'm just like ah, i'd have and and i don't think that that person did and not to criticize that person i don't want to make them feel bad and i don't even remember who it was so that's good i hope they don't listen but uh it was like uh someone else picked up jorge soler for nine bucks i'm like if i'm looking to put my money somewhere to for contributions i'd have definitely gone in that direction first yeah <laughs> uh. so um but uh, it's it's an interesting. Thing. The only thing I guess I would say about Wainwright is, I mean, as a guy who has experienced injury, uh, significant injury, I want to say twice in his career, is this uh, not the dead arm thing, but the fact that we're seeing, you know, uh, the strikeout rate tumble and it's never been great velocity or anything like that. You've occasionally seen these way back machine, uh, pink flags. I don't want to call them red flags. Um, is this a guy like you see maybe you know sometime in the next two three four five years he needs uh, you know a second Tommy John surgery or uh, you know maybe eventually a major shoulder surgery is that kind of thing uh, I mean I guess it's possible he's a pitcher so it's well, <laughs> yeah yeah it's always possible I mean he throws a lot of curveballs um, and we we did find uh, an almost thirty percent I, I and I don't know where. The breakoff was for curveballs. I don't think it was 30% because there's not a lot of people who throw 30% curveballs. So I think we set it around 25%, which is where he's been for his career. So he throws a lot of curveballs, and that would put him at risk uh, for slightly higher DL chances, uh, according to Zimmerman's research. Um, also, uh, on the other hand, what you've got is a very repeatable mechanics uh, and a great walk rate uh, through most of his career. So he's got that working against him, uh, working against the DL chances. In terms of surgeries, 
um, you know, the, the curveballs, you know, maybe uh, shoulder, maybe elbow. Uh, he's had an elbow, so that's a, that's the thing. He did make it through the sort of honeymoon period, uh, period uh, after his Tommy John. You know, you kind of get a little bit nervous around 500 innings uh, because that's where some guys have uh, second Tommy Johns right around there. So he's made it past the 500 innings. And also his Tommy John uh, was not your prototypical Tommy John. He had um, he had the thing that Tanaka had where he had a slightly torn UCL, uh, decided not to have surgery, and then pitched for two years before he uh, eventually underwent it. So he, uh, he put off Tommy John as long as possible. Uh, which is good for his outcomes. The earlier you have Tommy John, the worse it is. Uh, the more likely you are to have Tommy John again. Um, so I think um, I did not know that. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I think what's what you could say for him is, yeah. I mean, he's 32. Uh, there's probably another surgery in his life. Um, you know, maybe it's hopefully it's Tommy John and it's a couple years and he still and he has like a little late Tim Hudson resurgence. Um, you know, and, uh, the worst case scenario is he put, he, he starts declining, he puts off, uh, shoulder surgery until he's 35, 36. And we know that if you're 35 years older and you have shoulder, you have a, you go to the DL for a shoulder issue at all after you're 35, you average 50 innings afterwards. Hmm. So, you know, if he does make it till he's 35 without a shoulder thing and then a shoulder thing pops up, uh, you might as well drop him. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the death knell right there. Going to the DL for a shoulder problem at 35 is just the end of your career. Yes, and I think Chris Young would agree. Did he come back, actually? No, he's well, he is 35 now, so <laughs> he's oh. like, I hope I got them all out of the way. <laughs> 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 all right, well, speaking of speaking of pitchers who have surprised us besides Chris Young, and that we are talking about the pitcher, uh, is Shane Green of the Yankees. And he's been, I mean, this is, I think, one of these truer fantasy finds of the season. Uh, he's put up <clears throat> put up a 3.09 ERA. In case you're a skeptic, a huge skeptic, uh, a 3.23 SIERA and a 3.26 XFIP. Um, he's also with the that's a 22.8 percent strikeout rate, a 7.2 percent walk rate. Uh, really, it's actually about the best strikeout minus walk rate of his career and it's coming in the major league. So maybe there's something going on there, but so you, I mean, this is a guy you talked about is like, at least there might be some intrigue there because the ground ball rate is above 50%. Um, it's pretty good velocity, good strikeout rate. Uh, maybe that, there, and he's doing something that uh, he may not have even been doing in the minor leagues that, that I think that intrigued you. And, um, uh, that maybe is allowing him to pitch better up in the majors than he was in the minors. What's that? Are you asking me if he's doing something Yes, like that? yes, because there's something you think you talked about uh, in an earlier yeah, podcast. Yeah, I don't see it. I don't see it. And the main reason I don't see it is you can just look at sort of the movement um, on his uh, on his stuff. And basically what you've got is uh, hard stuff that has arm side tail, uh, has sort of arm side run. Uh, or tail, as some people put it, and uh, soft stuff that uh, that breaks uh, glove side. Um, you know, and there's no there's no changing it up. Uh, although you know he does have a cutter that's 88. Um, you know what mitigates that is that basically all of his stuff is between 94 and 88, 94 and 84. So you know that's not a big range and velocity, and I think that people can gear up for 94 and make contact with 84. Um, so, you know, I, I, I just don't see it um, lasting very long. In terms of sort of pitch type ripples and stuff, his slider is about average, uh, his cutter is very good, um, and uh, his sinker is good. Um, but, you know... Sounds like, you know, I think you've made this comparison before that he might be, you know, maybe it's, it's, it's somewhat Justin Masternish. Masterson. Oh yeah, I mean, definitely Masterson is the number one comp that comes up, and you know the, what separates him from Masterson in a good way is that he has three pitches in terms of uh, fastball, slider, cutter. Uh, but when you look at the movement, uh, for the difference between the cutter and the slider is mostly uh, velocity, because the cutter goes 88 and the slider goes 84 on average. Uh, in terms of uh, the movement, they have the exact same vertical movement. And there's uh, maybe an inch difference in horizontal movement. 
So the cutter is a little bit straighter than the slider, uh, but about an inch. And uh, when you look at the, the uh, four seam and the sinker, um, there's about three inches. There's actually a, 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 a fairly good amount of difference between his four seam and his sinker. So you could argue that he's actually a four pitch pitcher, but he only throws the four seam 13% of the time. And you could call it super straight because horizontally it has only three inches of movement and the average is six inches. So you've got basically <laughs> a straight, super straight, uh, super fast fastball, 94, 95. That's a, that's good and bad. You've got a 94-mile-an-hour sinker, which is a great pitch. And if he goes to the bullpen, uh, that, that sinker-slider combo would be fine. It'd be totally good. Uh, but when you let's say you're the third time through the order facing a lefty. He's now seen your sinker, slider, and your cutter. And, uh, and the slider and the cutter are not so different that you're really going to swing through it, I don't think. I think if you, like, for example, if you expected slider and then you got the cutter and it was an inch different vertic- uh, horizontally, um, I think that, uh, you know, and, and especially since the slider goes three miles an hour slower, you'd have that, you know, that, that microsecond to drop your hands a little bit further or, you know, get the bat to the ball. So, uh, I think that's the kind of stuff you'd foul off. You know, it's, it's hard to call the slider and cutter a different pitch anyway across baseball. Right. You know, it's, it's virtually the same grip. It's all about how you release the ball. It's there, you know, Granky told me he thinks that it's not even practical to have both a slider and a cutter. So, um, yeah, I just, it's one of those things. I think it's a short term thing. I think, you know, I think it's, it's, it's reliable. It's better to look at his, his minor league stats, um, and to, and to see what he did down there. And, uh, and, you know, if you want to ride him this year, obviously things are going well, but, uh, I'm not going to draft him next year. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, that's I think that's um, this is one of the dangers is that a pitcher comes up and has this kind of success, and I mean this might be the kind of thing, for instance, that you know the Yankees have done some, to me some interesting front office analysis as, uh, as far as uh, pitchers that uh, the players that they pick up at the deadline, particularly pitchers, uh, it's been beneficial for them in the short term. And I wonder if they also look internally when they take a look at players like Green and they say, well, this is actually a guy we can rely on now going into next year and, and it's like well if if you talk to Eno then maybe you would think otherwise um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's it's it, yeah obviously he's he has these kind of same against left-handers this season uh, it's only a 16% strikeout rate and an 8% walk rate um, and he has still a 300 BABIP against him uh, and there's certainly I, th- I mean I think he's the type where he actually hasn't really neutralized right-handers as much as he could um, with the he has a 30% strikeout rate against them and a 6% walk rate, um, but they've hit uh, 318 on balls of play. And you think that, I mean, I think that that's good possibility that he could reduce that. Um, but left-handers, I think that there's some room for improvement. And overall... Yeah, 16 minus 8 is below average. Yeah. Especially for a, uh, especially for a, a reliever. I think that the, the reliever average is around 13 and 14 percent, more than the starter average, around 12 percent in terms of strikeouts minus walks. So he's he's below average against lefties. I mean, and there's all sorts of things that people come up with to deal with it. You know, walk them more. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, which is Justin know, Masterson's solution. Right. Exactly. Go get to the next righty. Um, you know, but these are normally things that you do that are easier to do in the pen. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm skeptical. So be wary of drafting him next year as your kind of like $1 guy that you think people forgot about because, yeah. I mean, it's not say it's, he's not worth a buck in the end game because you say, hey, maybe he catches lightning in a bottle twice uh, or something like that. But uh, don't uh, if someone's willing to top you, you might as well let it go. I don't know, man. I got Dallas Keiko for a buck. I'd rather I'd rather get someone that I was like, you know, reserve pick. Yeah, but he's not going to go for reserve. So that's why I right. say I'm going to draft him. Right, you know, well, in, don't don't draft this guy in a mixed league. Right. You know, just remember the name Aaron Small. You know, Aaron Small. Remember Aaron Small. Okay. <laughs> I will probably forget that name, but I'm gonna I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna try I'm gonna try to remember it. Another, it's not a very big name. <laughs> Literally, right. Uh, Another pitcher we want to talk about is uh, since Drew Smiley has joined the Tampa Bay Rays, um, 
He has replaced David Price and then some. Um, five starts for them. Uh, first one didn't go so, so, uh, so great uh, against Oakland. Five and a third innings, gave up three earned runs. But since then, uh, gone at least seven innings in four starts, uh, has struck out 23 batters in, in those four starts, has walked only five, and has allowed only three earned runs in those four starts. Uh, and they are at Baltimore, at Toronto, against the Yankees, and against Texas. So two not-so-good opponents, but uh, two pretty good ones in the last two as well. Um, uh, turns out, basically, does this make, does this make uh, Tampa Bay look like a little bit – we were probably kind of hard on – uh, or at least I guess I was uh, in a sense, but uh, and perhaps not giving enough credit to Tampa Bay's front office. There's still a lot, a lot to be determined before you call a winner in this trade. Uh, everybody's a winner so far uh, in the David Price, Drew Smiley, Nick Franklin tree. But uh, gotta like what you see so far from Smiley, and is it perhaps that uh, Tampa Bay has some, uh, discovered something that will help him additionally to succeed even more? Yeah, I think. I think I forgot that he was lefty. Not 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 that I forgot that he was lefty, but that I forgot to give him more credit for being lefty. So he has a 91 mile an hour fastball, and to me that's below average because it's it is like technically below the league average. But then you take the relievers out, and it drops that that the average drops a little bit. And then for a piece I'm doing tomorrow, where I actually look uh, for Fangraphs, I looked at the the difference between lefty and righty starters, and um, Lefty starters only average 90.6. Hmm. So he actually has average to above average velocity on his fastball. So that's, that's step one. Now you, let's say you kind of put that change in his back pocket the year he was in the bullpen. Uh, and that wasn't great for its development. Right. Uh, and he hasn't, you know, some people say that Tampa's, you know, put renewed emphasis on the changeup. But if you look at the last few games, it's not like he's, suddenly started throwing the change up a lot more. He, he had one game where he threw it about 10% of the time. And that's about it. Uh, so, so let's say the change up isn't that great or isn't, will never be great or will only be a show me or whatever. And he's a four seam cutter curve guy. That's not Shane Green. It's very different. The curve, uh, goes 78, uh, to his 90 and the cutter goes 85. So he's got, a, he's stretched out that, uh, that difference in velocities. And the curve is a much bigger difference in terms of uh, movement. Um, it drops five inches more than his cutter, and it has two inches more of horizontal movement. So, and seven inches of, uh, seven miles of, of velocity difference. So, you know, whereas Shane Green's trying to do it with a cutter and a slider, which are, you know, so close to each other, an inch apart and a couple miles per hour apart, you know, Smiley's already ahead of him because he's got a, a curve, which often curves have reverse platoon splits. And he's got this cutter. So the one thing I would say is bad for him is the curve that he's throwing is not a big roundhouse curve. It's a little bit more, I'd call it a power curve, but it's, it goes 78 miles an hour. So, uh, it's a little bit more of a mellow curve. It's not, it's not, you know, what you call a, a roundhouse curve is like the Wainwright curve. That's, uh, that's the Kershaw curve from the left side yeah, is the, the big looping curve. That's a six minus six in terms of movement. Um, and, and, uh, uh, basically Smiley's got sort of a three zero, uh, curveball. So he's got a little bit more of a, a mellow curveball. Um, but, um, back to the change. If we, if you just look at the outcomes for this year, the change got, has gotten 12% whiffs on 93 pitches. I'll give him an incomplete on the change and therefore, um, you know, I think he's obviously a good pitcher, good command, uh, lefty with average velocity, uh, good curve and cutter, and let's see what happens with the change. I mean, he could he could learn the split finger from Cobb and be one of the best pitchers in baseball next year. That is definitely an outcome for him. Uh, if he doesn't, uh, I think every once in a while he'll run into like, you know, I'm thinking of like Texas in Texas, obviously not this Texas. But let's say he goes to Yankee Stadium and, and, you know, a couple left-handers tee off on him, something like that. You know, a home run stadium. Well, it's still, even then, it's a, it's a plus for right-handed hitters at that ballpark, too. It's not like it's a, it's not a walk in the park. Right. So. Right, right. Yeah, I'm talking about, I'm ta yeah, I, I, I'm talking about righties. At some point, at some point, he'll run into like a really righty-heavy lineup in a ballpark where right-handed home runs are, are, are increased. Maybe Baltimore or something. That's why I was a little bit nervous about about actually pitching him in Baltimore last night. 
And then the last thing for people who own him this year, he's about to double his innings total from last year. And I and I heard something about them being able to stop his Super Two status if they if they sit him down. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if they sit him down after the next start. Ah, that's interesting. I didn't I wasn't aware of that. And uh, that's yeah, that's something to keep an eye on if you're a fantasy owner, especially if you're like, wow, this is great because I had Smiley and I've been waiting for this all year. And then Tampa Bay might stick it. You might want to think about. Uh, contingency plan. You should, in fact, you should strongly, strongly consider it. That would be my immediate reaction. Yeah, in head-to-head, especially. Yeah, and if I mean, if Tampa Bay is putting some emphasis on the change, there's always some hope for that uh, for next season. But yeah, that would be interesting to see if he if he diversifies that repertoire just a little bit. He would be a very interesting pitcher. I, it's a pitcher that I really liked uh, coming into the season, especially. But uh, I thought that you know there might be a little. Reason to temper enthusiasm because of the transition. Because of the innings, right. you couldn't project him for two hundred innings anyway. Right. I think I, when I was doing projections, I think I had him at around one hundred and fifty. I mean, that was seemed pretty realistic. Um, but yeah, it sounds like he's he remains a very very intriguing pitcher uh, for the long term, assuming that uh, some of those things work out. As we uh, are, have been wont to do this season, we have to make a stop by the White Sox bullpen since Jake, Jake Petrica has not pitched ex- uh, extremely well here recently. Zach Pick, Putnam picked up a one-out save last night. Uh, of course, Matt Lindstrom is back from the disabled list. Uh, and we've talked about the cost of interest here for the White Sox. Uh, basically, I guess my only question is, is we, uh, we know a change is possible. Um, yeah, I mean... Other than the design, I mean, I I'm, I would be unwilling to trust uh, if it's Petrica. Is it Patrishka? I've heard it pronounced Patrishka. I think he's Russian. Uh, yeah, I've heard Patrishka too. Yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, I think the change is being made. I think it's being made. He hasn't looked good for a little bit, uh, Patrishka, and he has a a bigger walk rate. And you know, I know that Putnam's the swing strike rate hasn't turned into strikeouts, but. If you think about watching these guys on a on a on a regular basis, and he still gets the ground balls. I mean, I think that has to appeal. Yeah, no, Petrushka gets the ground balls too, and actually gets more. But I think in terms of like being a manager and watching him, in terms of visual appeal and stuff, I think that you know you're gonna notice if one guy has a fifty percent ground ball rate and one guy has a sixty percent ground ball rate. I don't know if you're gonna notice that by watching them, right? Right. And then you know, but if one guy has a fourteen percent whiff rate and the other guy has a seven percent whiff rate. I kind of have the feeling you might notice that over time. You'd be like, you know what? Putnam is the one getting swings and misses. And, uh, and obviously if you're looking at sort of ERA whip type stats, then you're going to, then you're going to pick, um, Putnam because, uh, he's showing better command and he's just got more pristine numbers. So, uh, I know Petrushka has the, the velocity is four miles an hour velocity, which is also actually pretty visually appealing. Um, you know, but, uh, when the guy's struggling, you start finding reasons to be like, well, you know, Putnam's doing this, this, and this. And, you know, I like I like him for that. Either way, I think these are all sort of stopgap situations. Lindstrom, I don't think, is on the radar because he's pitching like sixth and seventh. So, yeah, it's uh, it, I think Putnam's a decent pickup. I mean, right now, people who are looking for saves are desperate for saves, and uh, this is the only one that's really got any juice for me. I mean, because Qualls ended up uh, staying in staying in Houston. Yep. Coles stays in Houston, uh, and uh, also Joaquin Soria's uh, recovery has been delayed a bit. Uh, he, I guess they initially the Troy expressed some optimism that he'd be back sometime maybe in the middle of this week uh, or end of this week, but uh, it turns out he's just now like starting up a throwing program, so it sounds like sometime next week is a lot more realistic. Um, uh, turns out broken pitcher is broken. Yeah. <laughs> turns out they were lying to us. That's, that's never happened before. Uh, it, right. it wouldn't surprise. I mean, I think maybe, maybe, maybe part of the reason Lindstrom is pitching earlier is just because he came back from the disabled list uh, a couple of weeks ago. But and the la- and I don't know what the usage is lately. But he's actually finally the first couple of appearances were uh, pretty rough. But um, it's, maybe is getting it together. And and because that they had him in that role, that means something to them. But I would, yeah, I still like Putnam just because he's a better pitcher. He's a better pitcher than Lindstrom. I've never cared for Lindstrom anyway. Right. I mean, it's been gas and not even no standout, you know, no standout stats anywhere, no standout strikeout rate. For a guy that chose ground balls over strikeouts, not even a standout ground ball rate, really. Right. 
someone just I wanted to touch on quickly is that Casey is seriously considering, uh, says the rumor, uh, calling up Brandon Finnegan, who was there. He was a, <clears throat> uh, a 2014 draft pick, and he's pitched. He pitched. He made five starts um, for the Advanced Class A club this season. Uh, through only he averaged about three innings per start in those, and that they jumped him to Double A. Uh, he was he's a first round pick, by the way. Uh, so it's not like he doesn't have some kind of pedigree. First round pick, 17th overall, and uh, they moved him to Double A level, where he has since made seven seven appearances, and those are all in relief. And that would be the goal. Let's not get excited about a starter here, but he's an interesting player. Just an opportunity to talk about him. Uh, I didn't know a ton about him. Um, but I really didn't know anything about him uh, before this news even sprung up. But uh, he looks. Was a tight end. <laughs> no, that's Cortland. No, wait, that's a defensive back. Never mind. <sighs> well, anyway, um, is this a guy Texas, that is, is this Texas Christian? Yes, Texas Christian. So he still could be a because <laughs> I don't. Uh, and he, uh, I, was, I think I read too that he was uh, he was a winless pitcher last season. Uh, he put up some pretty good numbers, but uh, somehow went, uh, went did not win a decision. In 2013, he was 0 and 8 with a 3.18 ERA. Yeah. But uh, last year, uh, nine and three at Texan Christian with an 11.4 strikeouts per nine and 2.5 walks per nine. So he definitely had a nice year last year. Uh, 21 years old, already in Double A, uh, decent strikeout rate, giving up a few too many hits in Double uh, A, but. I don't know. I don't have much to say about. I mean, he's lefty. That's probably why they're going to bring him up. Yeah, he's, al- have, uh, he's he also be- he's also small. Uh, he's under six feet, under two hundred pounds. Makes you wonder about the. I guess it's possible uh, that that affects his uh, long term projection in terms of a starter. I think they think they still view him as a starter, but he has he has considerable velocity. Uh, the report on him is that it uh, sits anywhere between ninety two and ninety six. Uh, he's even said that he's touched ninety nine. And that obviously is going to have extreme value to them as a playoff team. I, I tell you what, I'm going to, I might be rooting for the Royals here on the playoffs because that would be pretty freaking exciting. Dude, you know what? He could actually get holds. Uh, it wouldn't be too hard for him because I'm looking right now at their uh, at their uh, bullpen, and the only lefty, I mean, Bruce Chen is in there, but the only lefty they've really got is Francis Lee Bueno, uh, who's striking out six per nine with an average ground ball rate. Um, and an 89-mile-an-hour fastball. Oh, yeah, Tim Collins is no longer around, correct? I forgot yeah, about that. So, so if uh, if he comes in, I mean, I don't know. Let me look at what Tim Collins is doing. He He's in AAA. Yeah. Um, so uh, I have a feeling that um, if he came in and no one and he had a little bit of deception to his liberty and no one could quite figure it out, and he you know, 92, 93-mile-an-hour gas, uh, he could rise in that. Uh, he could get to holes pretty quickly because lefties, you know, come in in close games just to get a lefty. And loogies are actually a decent place to look for holds, especially in deep leagues late in the season when a lot of guys are gone. Loogies are are good for holds because they they come in tight games and they come to get out of lefty. And you know, especially if you're down in innings and you need holds, and you need a guy who's going to come in for one or two batters and get you a stat like a hold. Um, so. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a stretch, but deep leaguers with holds uh, might want to watch what happens in that bullpen if he comes up. Yeah, that would be. I think that would be interesting. And uh, scouting report on him says that uh, fastball is a 65, a slider is a 55. This is according to MLB.com's scouting reads uh, at the time uh, of the draft. Or I think uh, this has probably been updated since, but. Uh, and he's he's considered a guy that does have a little bit of effort in his delivery. So I mean, long term, it sounds like he could be, you know, that's kind of the way. I mean, I would kind of classify him as probably a better, um, a, a a Tim Collins with a better uh, pedigree and a, a lot more control. It sounds like intriguing. Uh, yeah, because Collins is small too. Yeah. Be interesting to see, uh, it, more so for the long term. But yeah, keep it, keep his name in mind uh, for those in the very deep leagues, at least. As we mentioned, Chad Qualls stay put. We talked uh, about Yadier Molina's rush, re- well, uh, pending return. Masahiro Tanaka mentioned earlier uh, he is 
completed a sim game today on Thursday, and so far I've seen no reports of any issues. I mean, this that continues to go well. It's not looking good for him to really contribute in the fantasy leagues to be a, of anything of note, um, because, uh, but you know, maybe he gets in a couple of starts, and uh, that could be more significant for the Yankees than it would be. This, like you mentioned, this could be the. I mean, this could be kind of a Wainwright case, no? Yeah, I mean, it's been done before. Not a lot of guys have done it, but it's been done before. So, you know, Tanaka's, I think, about the same age as Wainwright was when he pushed it off. So, um, you know, who knows? And uh, and actually, you know, for head-to-head, especially people that have a first-round buy, uh, he's an interesting guy to pick up. Because yeah. you can pick him up now, you know, sit through your first couple of rounds, uh, for, sit through your last week uh, of contention and your first, you know, the first week of your buy. And two weeks from now, maybe you'll you'll have some news about him coming up soon. Yes, that's that's an excellent point for head-to-head leaguers. Keep that in mind. Uh, Anibal Sanchez with a strained pectoral. Uh, I think I uh, mentioned this, but uh, we'll go over it again. Just uh, he he had a he had a setback originally reported as a setback because of a throwing session on Monday. Turns out that an MRI MRI reveals that it's just a, a breakup of scar tissue. And that's encouraging news, more so from the Tigers' perspective than fantasy owners, because now it just means that he basically has to begin the recovery process over. I mean, maybe he's good, but maybe he's good for a start or two by end of season. Yeah, but I, I if, if you're looking at the two of those guys, I'm taking Tanaka because... I would agree. Yeah, the Tanaka, a sim game is ahead of, of throwing off the mound anyway, right? Uh, in terms of rehab schedules. And, uh, and I've heard that even if things go right for Sanchez now, you're talking about one or two starts, whereas... You know, Tanaka could be two or three if he comes up, um, you know. With, that you makes know, a two. huge difference, obviously. Yeah, I mean, this. yeah, I agree. Sim game is ahead. I, I would I would imagine that it's going to take still a little more process. Get, but I guess at this point, Sanchez has missed enough time where it doesn't really matter. But three yeah. weeks. Yeah, no, I, I, that makes perfect sense. <clears throat> you're hoping, you're hoping, I think at this point for Sanchez, almost like, you know, maybe a, a final week two starter or um, – you know, maybe he comes up for those one of those final two three days, and they actually need him to like win their last game of the season or something. Yeah, or uh, maybe uh, do they do play on games anymore? <laughs> uh, that's they that, do, that counts for some fantasy standings, and maybe they need yeah. him to go in that one or something. Um, Xander Bogarts cleared to to rejoin the Red Sox uh, from a concussion as soon as this weekend. It's not definite that he's coming back, but I think cleared means he, he will be coming back, and that matters for those in very deep leagues who are still extremely disappointed but not but willing also to throw Bogarts in their lineup for the guy who has Bogarted fantasy value from their team. <laughs> and Juan Uribe, strained hamstring, ordinarily would not be mentioned on the program uh, other than the fact that I noticed that uh, Justin Turner's uh, ownership percentage was shooting up like a rocket in a couple of uh, the uh, more popular league host sites and uh just would like to mention that because if, i'm guessing that that means he goes back to the bench or at least is a pretty much a utility guy for the rest of the season now that that is occurring so uh yeah if i remember time. right turner was a met for a while so i i watched him play if i remember right he's a righty yeah so uh you know he's he's best against lefties um you know they play him sometimes it's short but he's really not that good defensively he's kind of um, a Jeff Keppinger type where he just uh, plays mediocre baseball at every position. Uh, so I, I think that uh, they'll definitely go with your rebound. Um, and Willa Rosario, uh, wrist inflammation, placed on the disabled list. Uh, dis- uh, disappointing season gets a little worse. I mean, he, he'll be back, it sounds like, uh, barring some kind of complication. He'll be back as soon as he's eligible uh, in, in September. Uh, but... Considering that, I mean, it's understandable not to mess around with it uh, and rest of the season, uh, but they probably didn't, and they didn't want to hold out for another four or five days when rosters expanded. They needed the roster spot. So um, disappointment continues. I uh, wanted to get to, I think this is a requested topic we can touch on real quickly, is um, uh, one of the listeners brought up that the Brewers could go to a six-man rotation because uh, when rosters expand. We talked about the... And that's the complication that comes up with Mike Fires holding on to him. Uh, who loses out? Is it him or Jimmy Nelson? Uh, now that Kyle Loach is back in the rotation, Matt Garza should be coming back uh, pretty soon. They're actually I've seen that the Garza talked about the possibility that he doesn't even need a rehab start. Uh, that's encouraging, although I would probably wait uh, 
to run him out there if it was the first one and he didn't have one. But um, based on that speculation, uh, and, and that's still t TBD as far as I think what happens with fires. I don't think it's uh, necessarily. So. But uh, considering the results, maybe it is something that they go with. Uh, they go with Nelson in the bullpen instead and go to six man. But one way or another, somebody's probably going to get squeezed, and it could be two guys. Um, I think the main the main axis on which because you know we're going to look at a couple other teams uh, with this question in mind. I think the main axis on which to determine you know how uh, how much could happen is uh, how competitive the team is. Right. So in this case, we're talking about the Brewers. Uh, you know, in first but still fighting to keep first. They want a full uh, division series as opposed to a wild card game. Um, I think they want to they want to keep the pressure on you know keep the heel down or whatever as people say. So uh, I think that uh, they're not going to innovate too much. They're not going to push it. Uh, you know how many innings does does Nelson have anyway this year? I think it'll be really easy for them uh, to put Nelson in the bullpen in maybe a long roll, and that could be the way you could hedge your bets with Garza and say you know what we're going to put you on the same day as Garza. And, if Garza can only go three innings, then we're going to need you for a lot of innings anyway. Um, and uh, and you know, it's not only that Nelson has really blown the doors down and said that you know he needs uh, a rotation spot right now. Fires has done a little bit more of that. Fires has a little bit more, um, you know, under his under his belt in terms of experience. And then Nelson has the fastball slider combination, which you know can be deadly in the bullpen. For the bullpen, yeah. huh? No, it's. I said the same thing. It could be deadly in the or it is deadly in the bullpen. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, you know, one of the other questions was, um, uh, what was it? Han will Hanley Ramirez uh, get more rest um, when they bring up Guerrero? Well, you know, Guerrero, I don't think is a shortstop anymore. They're playing him in left and third. But I do think that given the five six game lead that the Dodgers have uh, on any given day. We will see more rest for Hanley Ramirez because they're going to want him healthy for the postseason. So I think mostly um, he will get more rest, but it'd be Rojas or Darwin Barney or whoever, um, you know, people moving around a little bit to, to give him that rest. Um, so that's definitely something to think about with Hanley Ramirez. It's something to think about with most of the Dodgers, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for, you know, for Rizzo on the Cubs, I don't know. I don't think so. I think they want, they, they want Rizzo to, you know, look good and, and, you know, win, win awards. And they don't, do they really have a first baseman that they need to show time to? I don't, I don't see that as necessarily a thing that's going to happen. No, yeah. I, I don't see, I don't see any point in doing that. Um, another question, what, you know, speculated, I mean, uh, Bull Pujols said song for CJ Crone, Cron. I'm still not sure which way to say that one. Um, and the answer to that is only if Pujols needs to sit. Uh, especially, yeah. especially now that they lost Garrett Richards, and I mean, Crone, Crone is not nearly the bat that Pujols is. They're fighting. They're fighting right there for the for the division lead too, and yeah. they need every game. So, I mean, I know Pujols did, you know, get pull himself for his back last night. So, yes, that is an issue. But um, you I, know, no, I think uh, what he was uh, maybe it's something like it was a uh, he felt a, something tense up in his cap or something, and they and they removed him for a pitch runner or something. I mm. thought is what I read, but uh... in any case, I mean, he's been things have been barking for him, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and so I think you know it's possible. You know, looking at uh, the sort of division leads right now, um, you know, the Orioles are, are 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 actually you know decently out in front, but I don't see. They don't really have an old player they need to, to, to hide. They don't really have uh, – they do have a sort of a six-man rotation. They could go to a six-man rotation bring Ubaldo back in, but they don't really have a stud starter on the team that you that you're like, want more innings from anyway. Right. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, let's see. Who else you got? The Royals are a couple games out on the Tigers. They're going to they're gonna play like heck all the way through the end of the season because, you know, even if they think they're going to win, they're, they're going to be scared of them. Uh, Athletics Angels super tight. Uh, the Nationals, ah, oh, the Nationals are six or seven up on the on the Braves here. So that's an interesting one. They've got it pretty much sewn, and 
you I don't think they've got a six starter they could bring in. They're not going to go to a six man rotation. Uh, would they sit spawn maybe some? Uh, will they, will they, what are they, they going to do with Harper? They'll sit, I don't even think, Zimmerman's not up, so. Um, I, they've got a reasonably young team. I don't really see LaRoche, maybe they sit LaRoche some. Yeah, and that uh, would, I think that would only be in the case of maybe if Zimmerman comes back, because they've talked about, I mean, I've even read this suggestion that Zimmerman doesn't have a spot when he comes back, and I don't, I, I find that hard to believe. Well, I guess that's people really loving us, Drupal Cabrera, but, um, you know, Cabrera's defense isn't great, and right. you know, his offense isn't as good as it's been recently, so I think you could easily yeah. put Rendon over there. Or, and, you know, have Cabrera as a backup, you know, and, and you know, and play, play like, you know, play the last couple of games of the season like they're the, like the, their practices for playoff games, right? Where you start the game with Zimmerman at third, and you bring Cabrera in fairly early and try to keep him healthy and blah, 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 but. You know, I guess the only one I see, I would say that I guess Worth uh, has had some issues this year, and uh, LaRoche, um, you know, is an older guy. But LaRoche, they're trying to get back on track. Um, he's kind of been slumping recently, so I think they'll leave him in there. Worth, yeah, they could they could sit him some, you know, maybe against some lefties. And it could happen. I would think, well, I would think actually against right-handers, he's a right-hand hitter. Um, oh, right, yeah. Uh, and they also have the the bodies, the left-handed hitters in the outfield to kind of move some around. Especially, as, uh, I don't know what uh, Nate McLeod. I think he just he's still out, so maybe that kind of complicates the matter. But <clears throat> it'll be yeah, it'll be interesting. As you mentioned with Baltimore, uh, a lot of you know, they either have essential pieces left, and they have no no one else that they want they could be interested in giving the playing time to, or they have a lot of young pieces around there that they probably want to continue to give the bats to. Um, so my, uh, I guess on the flip side of that, are there any teams that are totally out of it that, uh, you, you see some September call-ups playing a little bit for, and none really come to mind. I think we've seen most of the call-ups that are of any interest at this point, fancy leagues, they're kind of already up. People are talking about Michael Franco. Um, that's difficult yeah. for me to see. I don't know. The Phillies have typically not been very aggressive, and if they called him up, I, I tend to think that he wouldn't even play that much. But it would be of interest, of course, obviously, if he is called up. Yeah. Let me see. Um, in my chat today, I did the American Leaguers real quick. And... Uh, okay, so Buxton's not coming up. Korea's not coming up. Francisco Lindor... You know, where is he? I guess he's kind of, Lindor is kind of the Franco of the American League. Um, you know, Rodon could come up for some bullpen work, but I, I have a feeling they'd rather get leave his innings, um, use his innings as a starter to, to, to develop him more as a starter. So I don't think really. The only one, uh, the, the two, there's two pitchers in the American League side, Henry Owens and Daniel Norris, um, who, May have the innings. Mark Burley uh, just got put on waivers, so you know Burley goes. Maybe Norris comes up. Uh, the 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 Boston some of the Boston young pitchers are running out of innings. Uh, I think Henry Owens actually has a couple more innings left. So if those guys, if you hear anything about them coming up, it's just hard to like hold a roster spot in a redraft league waiting for Henry Owens or Daniel Norris. We'd make it zero. So I think if you see anything about those guys coming up, I really like their arms. I would, I would uh, be interested if they came up. Mm -hmm. Definitely makes some sense there. Um, and um, I think we already kind of answered the the fellas' other question: uh, Would uh, Yadier Molina be a better choice than Russell Martin um, uh, coming back? And I think we the answer to that is is an emphatic no. Almost probably better not. Hang on to Russell Martin if you have him. And uh, will Joey Votto be more, more productive than Chris Carter in an OBP league? In an OBP league, yes, if you need OBP. Um, but if you need the home runs, <laughs> you're much better off sticking with Chris Carter. Yeah, let's see here. A couple more things that broke while we were while we were talking. Uh, Resnick Castillo is playing in a. He hasn't he hasn't ruled out Resnick Castillo playing in a minor league game this weekend. Um, so I think he'll, I think he will definitely be up with the big club in September. We talked about why I'm a little bit skeptical. Uh, Johnny Venters tore his eight UCL again. Oh, 
Oh man, third one. Yeah, you know, he's gonna. It looks like he'll get the surgery and try to be Isringhausen and come back from a third one. But um, yeah, that one's tough. Um, and uh, David Wright is back in lineups. Um, so, you know, we talked about you know whether or not he's he's worth owning, but at least he's back in lineups. Yay. And he actually, he also just acknowledged uh, it was yesterday or today that uh, he had said that uh, the shoulder had not been bothering him. And he actually he said, yeah, it actually has been bothering him again recently. <laughs> but he said, but he doesn't see how that's an excuse or reason uh, or how, how that would actually affect his ultimate production. But he would just, he's just going to give it as an excuse or a reason. No, no, no. He's not willing to say it is. I think everyone else is uh, understanding that it is one. <laughs> right, exactly. The, the, the David Wrong stuff. So I think that is going to do it for this edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. Again, this has been episode number 160. And, uh, Eno, thank you very much again for uh, joining us here uh, on this fine Thursday afternoon. Yeah, thanks for having me. And enjoy your long weekend, everybody. And, uh, don't record a podcast because nobody's going to listen to it on Sunday or Monday. Are you sure? Are you sure? Because Colette and I went back and forth and we said we're willing to do it. Maybe we could do. Uh, yeah, I guess. I guess if no one is going to listen, maybe if we get some tweets or comments that say, "Hey, you know," because we're we're both willing to do it. But uh, all right, keep that in mind. Tell, if, tweet at them if you want them to to record something on Sunday. Yes, please do. We we'll be more than happy to do it if we get enough interest. Uh, again, uh, thank you very much. And this has been Nicholas Minix for The Sleeper and The Bust. Boom and the Bust.